Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast where this week, or today, we are discussing something that has gone by, which I didn't even realize. So we're a little late to this. The I realized the other day that it was 20 years since the conclusion of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, so we decided to, uh, I decided that maybe we should uh, acknowledge that somehow and discuss the series finale Endgame. Not Avengers Endgame. Voyager Endgame. So, yeah. I am one of your hosts, Kevin, and I am always joined by... The other of your hosts, Ethan. And this is my first time watching this. Shamefully, not really, but... Um, it, my first time seeing it, so this is exciting for me. But before we get into that, there's just a couple of news items I want... Star Trek news items that I want to bring up very briefly. So... There have been some minor rumblings on things. I don't want to peel this back too much, but I don't know if did you hear that Anson what Anson Mount tweeted out the other day? Are you talking to listeners or me? You and listeners. Oh, yeah. So yes. Anson Mount, I'll read this tweet. He said this was tweeted out on July seventh, where he said the last episode of season one starts shooting today. Old school fans are gonna be very excited to see what we're trying to pull off with this one. Getting to do so many things, getting to do many things I've never attempted as an actor. So much fun. Now, I have to say one thing about this. Really, Now, we all okay. know, you know, we all know, listeners know how excited I am for this show. Yes. Do you find it odd in any way that we have not gotten anything, not even a, not even a photograph from this show. The only thing we've gotten is just who the cast is. Not even who the cast, the characters that they're playing. We've just gotten an introduction of who the actors are, but we've not gotten a single official photo, photo, no teaser trailers obviously, nothing. And yet Picard, which is which is less further along than this show is, we've gotten two trailers for already. Steve, normally I would say someone somewhere in the Paramount whatever decided that marketing wise this is the best way to do it and we want to promote this other thing first we don't want to distract from it and we'll do it later but as you said about picard um yeah that seems more that makes it a little different seeming because um like you said that's not as far along so it does seem a little bit confusing maybe because it is so anticipated they're trying to keep it more under wraps i mean i don't know that doesn't really make sense either that's what i'm telling myself i think that the hype for this show i think they're very much aware of the hype for this show but i would have thought that we would have gotten just the tiniest tiniest morsel right i'm not saying show us a picture of the bridge or something but i don't know just something just something Give us the official logo or something. I don't think it's smart of them Mm. to play it this way. I don't want it to become a Star Trek Beyond situation where we got one trailer for the show and then in the span of like six, seven months, we got like nothing. Yeah. So, well, here's why I don't think it's smart because let's face there are some people that this is the one that they're sort of hanging their hopes on as, you know, I haven't been that into the 
offerings so far, but this one seems like it's going to be more. I agree. So I I don't see what withholding it is going to do when you could be building that anticipation more. I would like to think that they have some plan marketing wise and they're sticking to it. That's the, that's the sense I'm getting that it is the most anticipated. And I think that those who have not been too into the new shows, this one it's Captain Pike. We all liked, everybody liked, I did not just put it this way. I didn't see one person who didn't like Anson Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike, but also it's on the Enterprise. It features Spock. It's a return to the episodic format, which I also think that other fans have been longing for as well. So I think to your point, yeah, there's a lot of this. It's almost like this is, the, this is their last hope. For, yeah, for many yeah. people it is. Yeah. It is. And... So hopefully that means either they're going to wait and really knock people's socks off or, and I'll just, the pessimistic side is that, or the pressure is so high to mm. nail this one right that they're, they're being extra careful, which would be less good. What I had been saying for a while now is when I when they began filming this, I think back in February, I knew the film that filming was going into July and I, I had postulated sometime back then that I on our podcast I believe where I said that the filming is going to probably run up against San Diego Comic-Con and I would not be surprised if we get something I think but I think that with Star Trek Day and now these first contact days and these Captain Picard days them using those to announce things there's mm-hmm. big events to announce things, and then really their ability to announce it really whenever the fuck they want to. Yeah, but New York Comic Con in the fall. Yeah. yeah. So there are lots of options. Yeah, I guess so. The, being Maybe tied to com- a, a window of an event is sort of not the case. Yeah, I mean they could release anything any day, but if I if if there I, I the, just the days I'm pinpointing, it could be San Diego Comic Con. Which is again Comic Con at home this year, I believe, and then then you also have Star Trek Day in the fall. Which of those two days makes more sense to me? But I'm also thinking, well, you could release a little teaser at Comic Con and then do like a larger one at on Star Trek Day. But because uh, they've already announced the Comic Con Day lineup, and that's auspiciously not there. But okay. I mean, it doesn't have to be because it can be a surprise, right? So. Yeah, but I mean, they could be doing anything. They could be tweeting out an image. They could be doing lots of little things. They could be things. doing anything. They could be showing the Jeffries tube or something. Like They could do little stuff like that, and they're not. So I want something that, like, even if they just do, like, a really cryptic photograph, it could just be, like, something. Yeah, even like, if what if, the Jeffries tube, I'd be pretty excited. But it looks like it, it, it has that original series flair to it, kind of, where you just, like, right, you right. know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's a ladder in engineering. Right. Um, and I, we were, we were, we looked up that letter. Yes. Uh, here's what I think he may have given us a clue about, and I think it'd be fun to speculate. So he said things I've never done as an actor before. He's fighting. Now you, you got to think. He's up. already done fighting. He's already done. Think of all the things he's done on Discovery. Uniform okay. getting ripped. So here's what it leaves. I think playing like an evil version of himself. Or playing like a mirror ver, not a mirror universe, but like. You know, sometimes there's weird things happen in Star Trek and there's two yeah. of a person. Yep. Like playing two parts of himself. Or oh, something. God. Give us the Captain Pike transporter malfunction episode where he gets split in two. Right. Um, yeah. Or 
you know, sort of a trope on the original series is people would get infected with something and they'd be mm. ragingly insane, like screaming. Yes. And completely maniacal. Perhaps some of that. Yep. Um, you had said for a long time when the, after the series was announced, you were like, we were like, when we were talking about it a year ago, you were like, yeah, if they do this, we want to see some crazy shit. Like they did on the yeah. original series. So yeah. that could be that could be that could be the clue into what you want. A giant Jimmy Carter in space. Yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, so I think that means he there could be some wild stuff in store, assuming figuring that Anson Mount has done a lot in his acting career and yeah. it would have to be something pretty off the wall for him to never have done anything like it. He's gonna spend three episodes sitting in a box with a light. Well, he's already done that, so I that know. can't be it. Well, he hasn't done it for a long period. Maybe not for a long period of time. Right. I don't know. Um, what are some of the more, other more crazy things that have happened? I think you kind of nailed them all. Like yeah. when you talk about the original series. Yeah, I think you kind of like, yeah. Yeah, so we can look forward to hopefully some of that kind of... He's really going to do the William stuff. Shatner like overacting, you know. Yep. Like, maybe yeah. he means a uh, drop kick off the wall. <laughs> Oh, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. The wall and landed on his elbow on someone. I remember watching that, and I said, "I said, now you got to watch another episode." And it was the one. It was uh, returned to. I think it was. Uh, was it returned to tomorrow? Or no? God, I forget the name of the episode. When he goes back in time and he's at the military base, Kirk, and he puts his. And he remember he jumps up on the doorway. The guy like jives at him, and he dump, jumps up on oh, the doorway. Yeah, he swings at him. Yeah, yeah. On the door jam, yes. Yeah. And then when we went to the to Ticonderoga, we saw. Um, yesterday is tomorrow. Tomorrow is yesterday. Yeah. We saw the wall. We we're like, this is the wall that he jumped and kicked yes. off of. Yes. They should have like put like a scuff mark on there. Be like, yeah, that's where Shatner. Uh... That'd be great. <laughs> if Shatner was, if I, if I had enough money to do that Shatner tour, I would ask him to uh, reenact it, but I'm sure he couldn't in his, in his current state. Now, the other, one of the other news items I want to discuss, just, I just have two quick ones. Um, so Star Trek, the motion picture is not the director's edition is getting restored for 4k and it's going to be available on Paramount plus. Oh, nice. Now, for those who don't know, um, Star Trek The Motion Picture, the director's edition, was sort of like, came out in 2001 on DVD, and it was essentially like, it was, it, you could say it was like Star Trek's vert, akin to like what Lucas did with the special editions, kind of. Director Robert Wise wanted to use it to co- sort of finish the movie, and there were a lot of visual effects sequences that weren't finished, so... Uh, and it's it's a really good it's a really vast improvement and really kind of makes the story much better. Um, it's not, but it didn't get that like negative fan reaction that the uh, special edition did. The problem with that though was that they never actually they didn't future proof it, so they didn't. That version is not available on Blu-ray because those the new visual effects were not rendered out in high definition. So every subsequent high-definition Blu-ray release has been of the original print of the movie, oh, which is nice. great. But we, which, because fans love, um, you know, we love that Trek has not gone the special edition route where like only the newest versions of the ones that are available. You can't watch the older ones. But the they never. Series. What? Although no, the original series, you can still watch yeah. the original version, right? But they never. But they never did it with um, the motion picture. So we're finally going to get that. It's going to be available on Paramount Plus, and it's going to be on uh, as part of an HDR collection, which you're going to la- you're going to find this really odd, as I did. It's going to be um, Star Trek TOS 
the original four movie collection. I'm like, the original, it's being marketed, it's on the box, the original four movie collection. And I was like, yeah, but there are six movies to the original series. What do you mean the original four? So it's just the first four movies. Four really good movies. One, two, three, four, and four. But what, it's like, what, what about five and six? Where are those? These are the original four. If right. You include those, we would have called it the original six, but it's I, the original four. Yeah. So that'll be out. That'll be coming out pretty soon. And the last item, which I think you are you are really going wait, to wait, like. wait, 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 wait. So they're putting out them what all in four K? Four K. Yeah. Okay. Are they doing anything to the later films? Um, I think right now it's just going to be those and just from giving this a quick look so obviously 4k means they're going to give it um an isolated dolby 2.0 sound it doesn't look like again just glancing at this very quickly it doesn't look like any of the special features are going to they're going to be any new special features to the um to it i think they're main i think they're maintaining most of the bonus features that have come on the previous releases. So Will that be the only way to get a physical copy of the motion picture in 4K? To buy the set? Yeah. Uh, I I believe so. I don't think you can buy them individually. Well, that's yeah. all lame. Except for the existence of it and it being on Paramount+. Plus. It's, it's available for pre-order right now for 70 bucks. Okay. Um, and the original series is getting a... Uh, steelbook release on amazon but it's not a 4k restoration the other item which i'm very excited for and i think you will be too start for some reason oh no for its uh 35th anniversary star trek 4 is returning to theaters in august <laughs> one of those um sort of like one night only things uh two nights actually okay yeah um, no, that's, that's nice august 19th and 22nd i've actually not seen never seen the voyage home in theaters so yeah HBO when I was a kid every day. So I might consider going to see that. But um, I will definitely go see that. But uh yeah, those are the those are the items. Those are the uh those are the news items. So Okay. Okay. And there's the rumor that the next season after this of oh, that, that yeah, the the next season of um Discovery will be the last is the latest uh, rumor. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh my god. Dude, I read a uh you didn't hear? I read a tweet. You didn't hear the news? I read a tweet today that uh, CBS is putting a stop to all the new Trek. Kurtzman's getting fired. And they're going to focus on trying to make it real Trek. Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's an executive. So, so uh, rip, Star Trek. <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt the, the Discovery one. Just because. I, I w- not that I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be terribly upset. Well, no. But that's yeah. another discussion. That's another discussion. So... Voyager. So it's been 20 years, which I can't believe, since the series finale aired back in May of 2001. Coincidentally, it'll also be the tw- it's the 20th anniversary of the season premiere, season series premiere of Enterprise. But we'll cover that another time. So I know that you had never seen the finale before. I've seen it countless times over the years. What? And we're just going to review this like any regular episode, right? What? Are your kind of high level, well, not high level, but what are your thoughts on this episode? I, I feel like I was getting a mixed bag from you, although mixed mostly negative, but yeah. Well, I think that there were some things that it did well. I think overall, it, it was 
a very bizarre finale because it it seemed to do a lot too much it crammed too much into a short amount of time and a lot of it didn't seem all that relevant kind of to the story that people had been following throughout voyager right it seemed to somewhat come out of left field in, in so much as in so far as i thought it was a holodeck for a while into it i said this must be a holodeck situation because you know how they'll do that to us often they'll show a character in another place and it takes yeah. you a little bit before you see that it's holodeck it's an alternate future and everybody's old yeah next gen has done yeah, yeah all, all the shows have done it at one time or another yeah yes i assume that's what it was but it wasn't maybe it was so it just um it seemed like it, it was a lot crammed in and them actually getting home was almost an afterthought strangely it, it, i think the so i have i have many thoughts on the episode and now first off i will um you know preface this by letting the audience know that you know ethan Hare has not seen all of voyager I've seen you've seen a fair amount, but you've not seen the entire series. Right. So, so I actually had to clarify a few character situations to, before we started recording. So right. I know what was dropped into this episode as a completely new thing, and there was a lot. There was a lot. Important that was just dropped into the last episode, which was not well received at the time either. Like just to be clear, no. um, you know, before I go into a little bit more detail, here, you know, I want everybody to remember this. To realize this. Um, nowadays, Voyager is often regarded as one of the best Trek shows. And I've even seen some say that it's the best. Which really, which I still to this day find very surprising. Because, because for a long time, Voyager was one of the shows associated with Trek's sort of downgrade in quality, drop in quality at that time. Voyager and Enterprise were kind of put into the, were kind of bucketed together as saying like, this is when the franchise began to sort of drift and not be very exciting anymore and not be very good. I've seen, I saw many people say that that Trek's last quality show was Deep Space Nine. I've even seen some say it was Next Generation. Trek was in a very... The state of the franchise at the time was that it had just been around for... It, at that point, it had been around on, on TV for 14 years straight. And there was... I, in my opinion, there was... I was feeling burnout. But I wouldn't say... I wasn't feeling burnout because there was too much of it. I was feeling burnout because it just all felt the same. It all felt very... Like Voyager as a series at that point, the finale I think is a good representation of just how much the series had changed. It had become stagnant. It had become safe. The word I keep using with Voyager was safe. They didn't. They didn't try anything new. They didn't try. They didn't take any risks. Well, let me they, ask you this: So, yeah. someone was watching at the time when the sea, when the season was going. Right? Was it? Did you look forward to the night that it was on? I look forwarded. I looked forward to the night it was on. But it was more about like I looked forward to it in the same way I looked forward to like say a weekend. I was used to it being there. I could rely on it. Was I enthralled by what I was seeing? No. No. I, I would not say that I would not say that at that time Star Trek was appointment 
television. It was just a TV show I was used to watching every single week. And that was that. I knew that it, what they weren't going to do anything new. I knew they weren't going to try to break any rules, right? The show had just felt very, as I said, very safe and also very templatized. It just, so, and I think the finale is a very good representation of that because this is an episode that they probably, I mean, they built to this episode for the last seven years. And my biggest thing with it, you know, in addition to what you were talking about, was that there's no sense of, like, continuity. I wish they had somehow tied into the mythology of what got them lost in the Delta Quadrant in the first place. Instead, they just rely on the Borg and make this big sort of unoriginal time travel story. Like, there's no stakes. There's no, like, will that... I never... So, that's the other thing, and I'll stop here and let you take over, but, like, I never felt like there was a risk of them not getting home. Because I knew that that's not what the people behind the show were willing to do. They were going to get home, no matter what. I wanted there to be some threat to that. That makes sense. Because it seemed as though, if I was following a character for all these seasons, I would want to see that character deal with something or overcome something to get them back and the crew come together. Not that character from the future seemed to somehow cheapen the whole affair. Right. Right. Because what's the first thing that we see? We see Voyager. The anniversary of the arrival. Right. So in the first few seconds, you've already sort of answered the question. And so the story behind, yeah, go ahead. So, there are some things I think that it does well, and some things I think it really doesn't do well. Like I found the entire plot, the entire plot of um, Admiral Janeway from the future having to go back, and she has to get this device from the Klingons, and then she has to use that, and then she has to get this experimental medication, and all this. I found all of that to be tedious and right. Pointless. Right. Because it all just got to that final situation. It was sort of her like putting the dots together. Yeah. Um, which wasn't very exciting. But oddly, it reminded me of when Spock was on Next Generation. Okay. And he had his own sort of side mission that he was doing and he was taking care of all these things. For some reason, it, it gave me that kind of vibe, like her on her own going rogue a bit. Yep. But it wasn't nearly as effective or interesting. I feel like they did a lot of looking at what elements of a Trek story did they feel like worked well in the past. Time travel's always been... We've always told good time travel stories. The Borg are a good villain. It worked in First Contact. Let's try it again here. And, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then some of the things that I do think that it does well is it sort of seeds the information slowly. So you were at the reunion and we find out that um, someone, someone had died, but we don't really know who yet. Yep. So they seeded that nicely. Um, We found out something happened to Tuvok, but we don't know what. So that was seeded nicely. Which you had asked me, is this something that was afflicting him on the show? And I said, no, that was out of the blue. Right. 
Yeah. So that was a bummer. Um, then there's Unimatrix Zero, and uh, she won't discuss Seven. Yep. So that was seeding that, okay, something happened around Seven. So it was doing a lot of things well. Yeah. That normally those kind of things that I like in storytelling where, um, you know, everything is kind of laid out in a way that you at least know it's coming, but it's not spelled out for you. Right. And yet, as a whole... Oh, and then Chakotay saying, um, those years without her really hurt him. Yeah. Or something. Do you want me to do it? Do you want me to do it for you? Do you want me to do it for you? Those years without her was really hurting. Thank you. I have to, um, I have to make her like, you have to quiver her voice a little bit because she's old, you know? Those years without her. Um, <laughs> Sound like Catherine Hepburn. So that was all very good. Yeah. And yet, somehow, it did not, um, it just, it didn't work. I, so, the things that seem to be dropping out of nowhere, one is like, okay, they got home. That was like tossed off like nothing. Hmm. To me, it was surprising to see Tom Paris and Valana having a kid. Yep. Well, now that was, just so you know, that pregnancy didn't come out of nowhere. That was, okay. yeah. I yeah. don't like Tom Paris. I, I know do you like don't like him at all. I do like Valana, so that was, I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, also, of course, Chakotay in seven was awkward and weird, and uh, yeah. also came out of nowhere. And then Tuvok's degenerative neurology came out of nowhere. He went for the jugular when he said to quote Ambassador Spock, "The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few." Yeah. yeah. The uh, among the biggest criticisms of that episode of the day, I remember it being the Chakotay seven relationship, and even not only that, but even Seven's performance. Jerry Ryan's performance is seven because if you notice hmm. she's playing the character with a, a bit more humanity to her like you can almost see where she winds up the way we see her in Picard by the way she's delivering her lines right but even then that was not established in a previous episode she still had that very robotic way of saying things that very Vulcan-esque way of saying things but then by the time you got to this episode she was smiling. She seemed like a little bit more, you know, peppy and just kind of pleasant to be around. That that was totally, that was out of left field in this episode. And that was before she had that procedure, which I don't Correct. even know she ever had. Right. <clears throat> Give her some of her emotion back. What, yeah, I didn't mind that. Maybe because my most recent experience with her has been on Picard. Right. So. Which was a which was an, which in a way was an, is a natural extension of the way she is in that episode. My issue with, with that is that she went from being her typical Borg self that she had been for the last four years in one episode and then just became that in the next one. Right. And wouldn't that have been something nice to explore for the last season? Right. Then for five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a few things going on in this episode where you feel like, which I criticized one of the other shows about recently where you feel like, did I miss a few episodes or something? Did I miss something that it, you know, and it makes more sense with this because if you're not watching anything previously, you don't. Right. But you knew well enough to ask me like, what well, was this being set up? Was that something? I'm like, no, not at all. Yeah. It's not how yeah, it was. We're talking about seven. I got to bring this up. <clears throat> so when, when he, she goes to the doctor for the, um, to talk about this procedure where she would get her emotions or full range of emotions. Seems like she already had it. 
Well, here's the problem. The yeah. doctor hits on her, right? I, I don't... He said, first he says, um, you know, oh, you might be interested in exploring your new set of emotions. And I'm thinking like, oh, as a doctor, as a psychologist, he's going to help her. But then she says, no, I have someone to do it with. And he acts all disappointed, like, oh. Well... He was hitting on her, right? There was an episode in season five where the doctor did express having feelings for her, but he kind of, I mean, sort of moved on. Like, they hadn't really... Re- the, it's a weird thing to revisit right. now. Is he a hologram? First, is he a hologram? And is he a doctor? And wouldn't there be some kind of ethics program that you cannot hit on your patients when you are restoring their emotions? I would say for you, you're, you're raising good questions, but there are episodes between the season five episode... Someone to watch over me, and this one that sort of, I would say, hint at go into that a little bit. But there was an episode dedicated to the Doctor having a crush on Seven in season five, which is a great episode. But um, and Tom Paris hit on her when she first showed up. But I'm trying to everybody hit on. It's that. weird to after that episode because they're all episodic shows. There's not many threads they pick up on later. So it's it's weird to pick up on something that you were sort of depicting two seasons ago and then pluck it into the finale when you haven't done anything about it in between. So I thought it was just kind of a cheap joke. Yeah. That's how I took it. That's it could have just been a raw it could have just been like a reference to that moment. I'd have to hear the line again, but yeah. I'd have right. to see the mo- I'd have to see the moment again. But it seems like there would be some sort of an ethics program for a robot doctor. I, I, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest disappointment of this episode comes in not just them getting home, but not actually seeing them, not dealing with the ramifications of them getting home. And what I mean by that is several times throughout the series there are conversations had between the characters like Chakotay and his crew are members of the Maquis, a terrorist organization who are now Starfleet officers. Chakotay mentions to Janeway at one point that's something that we're going to have to deal with when we get home. Mm-hmm. Right? What happens to Chakotay's crew when they get home? Seven had expressed hesitation about going back to Earth. And being among humans again. I want to see that. I want to see her arrive on Earth and see that sort of initial. There were like questions that the show presented about what's going to happen as soon as we get home, which they don't. I think that goes to the show's or the producer's mindset at the time, or maybe not the producers, the powers that be, like you said. The first season of Enterprise, when they wanted it to be ground-based. Yeah. And they were afraid to stray too far from the formula that works so well. Which is so disappointing. And, I mean, I think I had read someplace that one of the ideas they had considered was they actually wanted to get them home a few, like, an episode or two earlier. And then have to deal with all of that in the last few episodes. Which I think sounds cool, but I think you could have maybe dealt with that in the last 15 minutes. Right? Say you get them home. And... Like, it isn't that it's necessarily a terrible... I just feel like you needed 15 more minutes to tie everything up. It's not like 
You could have. I, yeah. I do think the two episodes would have been much better. Like, what because it wouldn't be simple. You like, know? I mean, imagine there's a trial for the Maquis and Janeway has to testify about how they have risked their lives and were valuable members of the crew. Right. That could be an episode in, right. in and of itself. Do some of, does, Chakot, does Chakotay himself stay? Does Starfleet reinstate him? Does he rejoin Starfleet? Does some of the Maquis who were forced into being Starfleet officers, do they decide, no, this isn't for me? And they, and like, there was real opportunity. They were brought together because of their circumstances, but if they were back home, they wouldn't be together. So was there opportunity there to sort of like break up the family in the end? Because they weren't going to make a Voyager motion picture. They weren't going to go to the movie theaters, right? As far as anybody was concerned at this time, we were never going to see those characters ever again. So what happens to the Doctor? Because the Doctor's now this hologram who's like evolved to the point of like where he's practically a human being. There were so many questions that Right, they could have wrestled that they had wrestled with that they just didn't. Yeah, you could have scenes of Seven trying to integrate herself at Starfleet headquarters and being like overwhelmed by all the people or yeah something. Yeah, there were a lot of avenues. Does she join the Fenris Rangers right away? No, they probably didn't exist yet. But yeah, <laughs> but you see what I mean though. There were all of these. Ver- there were all of these very compelling questions that the show wrestled with. That when they got to the finale, they just decided to not pursue them at all, which I found very, which I found very disappointing. Right, and that was television at the time. Yeah, the, the, unfortunately, I think the idea behind it was that they just tried to work off the assumption that somebody could just jump into the show for whatever reason at the final episode and not really be lost had they not seen anything prior i mean you i know you had seen some but you didn't it doesn't sound to me like bad, you were too what a lost. bad idea right exactly like i understand that you want to have a show where people can jump in at any point but i couldn't imagine having to maintain that all the way until the last episode who cares right right like someone exactly. choosing in on the last episode and doesn't know what's going on yeah so it's just the finale, well, now, in my opinion, just could have been so much more. Track, has the has the room to explore these kind of things. It's, I think, because there was just there was so much. The way I saw it was that there was so much opportunity to really do something interesting, and they just squandered it. I mean, don't don't you feel like another thing that bugs me about this episode is that does, don't didn't you feel like it had an extremely abrupt ending? Yeah, I thought many things were about, the part that really bugged me is, is just how much time it wasted for how long it was. You know, yeah. this is a, a two-hour finale, uh, '80s feature film length. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. about an hour and twenty-five minutes. This something. was this was this aired so, for, this aired across two hours went that night. Yeah. So I feel like things that took up so much time were, for instance, um, Admiral Janeway. Trying to get the device from the Klingons, and then they try to do a double cross, and then she goes a double double cross or something. I don't even remember exactly, but there was so much time spent on that, and it just felt so totally pointless mm-hmm. when it was all just to get her to the place. Right. Um, the thing that I thought was troubling as well is that now you could speak to this better than I could, but it seemed like <clears throat> Janeway's character, Admiral Janeway, was very out of character for Janeway. I could not see her, yeah. a few things. I could not see her expecting that herself in the past would go along with this. 
And I couldn't even see her doing it when she's made so many selfless decisions through the whole of the series. It yeah. seemed very strange that now she just wants to go back in time and do the quick fix. I think she was very... Now, I understand they try to yeah. motivate it by the loss, but I still, I just, it didn't, it seemed out of character for her. Right. And I also felt that there was a bit of, did that make sense to you? Did it seem... Well, any modern apologist would say to you, yeah, but that was great. That's the point. I... <laughs> well, I, 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 but I would also argue that, and I agree with you, but I also think that Captain Janeway is also a little out of character because one of the things that we had discussed before recording this was you had that moment when they approach the Borg transwarp hub and the first thing that Janeway wants, Captain Janeway wants to do is destroy it, which it's sort of implied like if we destroy this, they're not going to be able to get to, you know, but I didn't feel that when I saw that, when I watched that. It's like, what the hell do you want to destroy this for? Like, I get the Borg are the enemy of the... Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a little bit of the modern modern complaints we have at Trek. It was one character said one line with it. Yeah. That, oh, they can... They'll be able to assimilate countless worlds if they can use that, you know? Something like that. I I think... Well, I did have that in my mind because if if Voyager could get to the Alpha Quadrant, the Borg can get to the Alpha Quadrant with it, too. I I think Admiral Janeway is very out of character, but I would also say she's not... She's also a character based on a bad decision. So she's sort of like, I, I don't consider her to be the real Janeway in that sense. But I, I also feel like there's too much Janeway in this episode. Like, it's just, it's page after, if I had that script, I mean, it would just be page after page yeah. after page of Janeway. It like this was a um, gift of the producers to her. Yeah. You know? We're going to really give you something meaty to work on here. Right. You're going to be I, old. You're going to be young. But I also feel like the episode is sort of their attempt at trying to make something. I feel like they were trying to evoke the next generation finale. It seemed yeah. to have like the the hallmarks of what made the next generation finale good, but it didn't really work here. You know, you had the alternate future. You had the future versions of yourself. Like there was just this. It it, it felt like because I I also. I'm very passionate about the idea that by that time, Voyager was really trying to be Next Generation 2.0. And it, it, and I think the show really does pale in comparison to Next Generation. I think the show was really trying to be Next Gen again because it was the, the Trek show about the ship out in space, the spaceship out there just exploring space. So I think they were trying to be Next Gen again and really yeah. kind of and the show really and given that both are pretty formulaic right it was sort of easy to step into it in a way but also i think that voyager really kind of shed its it was not the same show since from the beginning it just wasn't the same show because if you go if you watch the first maybe two three seasons i would say before the before seven of nine joins the show so the first three seasons there's a real concerted effort to, for the crew to adapting to their new circumstances. They're 70,000 light years away. We have to conserve our resources. We have to... You can't follow every Starfleet We can't follow every Starfleet regulation. That's the right? interesting part, definitely. Like the, you know, the Tuvix episode that you and I discussed a year ago that we both really enjoy. 
there was none by this point there didn't feel like there was any of that anymore and the show just seemed to feel like it tried to just be a pale a paler version of the next generation it didn't seem to wrestle with themes anymore or like yeah. and actually yeah. themes that's a good point because i think in this there was almost a theme wrestling you know is ethical wrestling or yeah not an ethical but just you know do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few yeah you get home but it means we leave the borg free to um warp our wormhole to all these different parts of space trans warp whatever it is um you know, is that okay? But instead, they, they sort of do the cheap way out, and they get to do both. Right. We'll destroy them, and we'll um, we'll get back. Yep. And we'll get a um, face-off scene between Janeway and the Borg Queen. It's just also the- seem pointless. I mean, this is a it's a show it's about the characters like this. It just well, and this is what frustrates me about Trek. There's a lot crammed in there. This is what frustrates me about Trek. And this is... It's in the current Trek, and it was in the Trek back then, too. More so in the Trek back then, I would say. Is that... Again. They play a lot of it safe. They don't really try to take any risks. I didn't feel like... There was any risk of them not getting home. Now... I've had 20 years to think about, to sit on this, right? But what would have happened if they didn't get home, right? Now, you have to think at the time, that would have been very disappointing. Because TV was different back then. And this was a question being wrestled with for seven years, right? I feel like if they didn't... Think of all all the publicity they would have gotten. I feel like if they didn't get home... I would have grown to appreciate that more over time. Yeah. As being a ballsy decision. Why like they don't even kill anybody off. I think that if you're if you were going to kill anybody off. I don't and I'm just I'm not and I'm not just saying kill somebody off just for the sake of killing them off. It's the finale. Captain Janeway's number one priority was getting the crew back home. And I think if you had put her in a position where she sacrifices herself to get them home, that would have been, I mean, this, the typical hero heroine's sacrifice. Yeah. Well, wait. Like, did did Admiral Janeway sacrifice herself? That's the thing. They ki- Admiral. So it was they cheap. It was so it was sort of like, well, we killed Janeway, but we also didn't kill Janeway. So it yeah. felt very. So that was the whole thing. At the end, I, I felt like it was very much. They, they did both. To your point, there earlier. were no stakes because. Right. They got to blow it up. They got to get home. Janeway got to sacrifice herself, but Janeway got to live. It was, it was all right. right. And then does that mean now Janeway would have to do the same things in order for them to get home? I mean, who knows what time travel particular it's, rules? It's using. a very it, it, now. I'm not going to put 100 percent blame on the writers, right? I'm not going to say it's they just have no ideas. You know, they may have wanted to do stuff like that, but somebody overruled them, right? For all I know, I I don't know. Yeah, and like I said, but that's somebody really well. Yeah. For instance, the crew. I, I there were lots of great character moments with the crew, and it sort of reminded me one of the things that I love about this era of Trek is just how well drawn the characters are. Right. 
because they actually give them stuff to do. Yes, and you know them, and everybody had things to do, and like Harry Kim's speech, right, um, was fantastic. Yep. Even when um, Seven tried to break up with Chakotay, and I wrote here the most soap opera Trek scene I have ever. Yep. But, but it was still good because, because you know I know those characters, and I I know obviously she's a Borg. <laughs> It's tough when anybody breaks up with you, but for it to be a board that has that sort of like mechanical robotism, right. how hard would that be? They could just turn it off like that. So that was really good too. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was nice to see all the things that work about this era of Trek still, still there. I think to be fair, what we're, we're not criticizing. It's, it isn't as if the show was riddled with plot holes, right? Because if you just look at it on its own, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they all work, right? It's not like something wasn't properly established, whatever. Exactly. Like everything was seated, and everything was seated off very well. Everything was seated, but still didn't like it. right. We're still but we're still saying like we're still criticizing the actual the decisions that were made, and. I think it, given the history of the show and there were at least half a dozen times or a dozen times over the years where they were presented with an opportunity to get home and it somehow gets squandered it somehow gets squandered at the last minute so to actually do it again but get them home this time I can you know fi oh finally they're getting home but had they not had they not it's like when I think about the finale of Lost I remember people, some didn't like that finale. I didn't like it at the time, but I grew to like it over time. Because it didn't answer, you know, people were like, it didn't, uh, it still left me with questions, it didn't answer everything, nothing was tapping a bow, and I was like, well, right, but if they, if, if the show didn't end with you asking questions, then it wouldn't be lost. That's what that show was. And Voyager presented so much, as I said, so many opportunities where they were, they might have been able to get home, but it gets squashed at the last minute. Had they done that again in the finale, it would have been typical Star Trek Voyager. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that right. like... Yeah. If they had overcome all the obstacles to them getting home for one of them, and they just made it this time. Right. That would have been much better. It's the whole introduction of the future Janeway sort of pulling the strings that really ruins it. It does. It does, and uh, and and also the having it have to be a board showdown. It, yeah, it really does come down to just it's trying to do too much. It it it's so weird. Like it does too much, and yet it feels like it doesn't really do anything at all. For me, I mean, one of the things that I feel like makes the Next Generation series finale so good is I love the way it bookends the show, the way it calls back to the first episode with Q putting them on trial mm. I wish that they had done something like that with Voyager and again revisiting the the threads of what brought them there in the first place I, I think it can be in a way it can be difficult to do that because you have Voyager constantly traveling so they're away from the circumstances that brought them there but I mean that wouldn't be something I would have held against them if they decided to go that route anyway. 
But even like a simple character thing, imagine if it came down to one of those situations where Chakotay wants to do one thing and Janeway wants to do another thing. And maybe right. this time Janeway like, well, I guess she had defeated his idea a lot, but she like acknowledges that his, his plan is the better one and it works. Yeah. Even like, something little like that would have been nice. I think it's disappointing because Voyager to me has the best pilot episode of all the Trek shows. It's my favorite pilot Almost episode. Almost even the best premise. Without a doubt, the most one of the most unique premises, right? Because if you think back to when the show was coming on, right? You had next, the next generation was ending, or had, it had ended by the time Voyager came on, but it, you know, was still sort of in the very much in the in the the show was still very much in the air at the time. Voyage, uh, Deep Space Nine was on, which was a show about a space station. And they think like, okay, we can do another show on a spaceship, but what can we do? How do we not make it next generation again? Oh, we fling right. them to the other side of the galaxy and get them home. Yeah, but it, eventually it came back to that though. Yeah, it's like it's, it's the sad thing of the era. As much as there is good in it, is that when you look at Voyager and Enterprise, it's like the writers who created the shows, the people that created the shows, did their best to make it as different as they could. And then after the fact, people at the studio came in and tried to make it, force it to be as similar as they could. I think Voyager and Enterprise specifically are shows that on the surface feel, give the illusion that they're taking a risk with these new shows. And this is what I'm referring to when I talk about my burnout, when I said earlier, like they all felt the same. They all felt the same. Like, like Enterprise and I mean it was the same show with a different ship and different characters everything else about it was the same right they I've always said to you on this podcast that the way I think a Star Trek where I think a Star Trek spinoff succeeds the most is when it tells a story that you can only tell on that show because it really reinforces the uniqueness of the premise. And too many times did Voyager tell stories, same with Enterprise, that you would only that you could have told on any of the other shows. If you just oh put the Klingons in there instead and it's the same it's the same it's the same it's, it's the same fucking story. Right? And they and they did do that. Like that that happened a few times. Like similar stories that you know that go back to the other shows. So that's where my burnout came. It it nothing felt different. It all just felt the same. Even the production value was the same. The same camera passes, the same editing techniques, the music sounded the same. As I said, it was very much templatized. It was like TV evolved, but Trek did not. It's almost like the cheapness of the of Trek came out in the show. Right. It's always been cheap. It's always been cheap, but like when you go back and think of like Next Generation, yeah, there was no other show. Seven that was really unique, right? There was no other show like that on the air at the time. Nothing comparable to it. In that time, though, between the beginning of Next Generation and say the end of Enterprise, you had a science, you had a sci-fi network, you had shows like Stargate, Battlestar Galactica, the remake come out, and Trek made no. Yeah, yeah, Battlestar, Battlestar really, really um, just... The fact that it was also that it was a former Trek 
right leader that then made that once freed from track was made this what i think one of the greatest well i can recall i forget what year it was i think it was during the enterprise years um when tv guide was still an actual magazine i remember going to the store to get like a soda or something like that and i forget the sci-fi show that was on the cover it might have been like stargate atlantis i think and the headline said forget trek watch stargate it was almost like and that to me was when i realized that trek is not like trek's not breaking any new ground anymore like these other sci-fi shows have come up and have done just as good a job if not better trek was always i'm not making a pun here but like trek was always by the, by this time it was not paving the way it was really sort of stuck in the past like Voyager, when Voyager ends in two thousand one, it still feels like a show produced in nineteen eighty seven. You know what's funny? Okay, so look at in my notes. Here, Next right? generation. Even for Voyager, right? So in my notes, um, I have something about. So they made that little joke when Bolana went into labor, mm. and Tom was like, you know, the befuddled dad. Yeah. And I made a note of like. Oh, it's such a late 80s joke of like the dumb dad that can't handle labor. And then I realized, like, wait, this was 2001. Yeah. This was 15 years later. But exactly. it had that vibe of like a late 80s. Exactly. Drama. Everything about it, like the writing, the production value, as I said, the camera passes, the, the, the types of editing that they used, like it all had that. Yeah, it all had that, that feeling. And I'll, just say, and I'll just say this. You know, I, I'm a video editor for a living, right? I have taken Adobe Premiere Pro and I've actually set up like Premiere Pro editing templates for novice editors, like templated projects. That's how the show, the Trek felt at that time. It just felt like you filmed your footage, you, you dropped it into your, whatever editing suite they used at the time had a template, cut here, cut here, and like, and they could just almost do it mindlessly. Yeah, it almost seems like being a director of Shrek at that time would be the easiest directing job. Exactly. Because maybe you might give a tip to the actor about what kind of emotion, but that seems like it would be about it. There's not much creativity around. Not much creativity at all. No. So, I think in, for me, I actually, this may surprise some people, but I think that Endgame is hands down the weakest of the Star Trek series finales. I think it's actually worse than These Are the Voyages, which people consider the worst. The reason yeah. I say I don't think so, I don't think These Are the Voyages is that bad. I will. I, there's less of an excuse because you had seven years for Voyager to get to that point. These Are the Voyages was sort of put together very quickly because the show was unceremoniously canceled. You and I have said that the episode before that serves as a better finale, though Much unintentionally better, yeah. a finale. Right? And if yeah. you cut out the last couple minutes of These Are the Voyages, it's much better. Right. If you don't think about the fact that it allegedly was a holiday. Right. Like, even though I think at the beginning of Enterprise, it would have been easy to assume that, oh, this show's probably going to end with them signing the Federation Charter, which it did. But even though if These Are the Voyages didn't happen, and the two episodes prior to that were that finale. Even though it's not the signing of the Federation, it's the first, like, step toward what becomes the Federation. Yeah, I don't think you had to see the signing. 
No, but nevertheless, like, it, it showed that the show had come a long way since the, in such a short time, since the beginning. So, the Voyager finale to me is just very much, I don't think it's well done. It's very chaotic and it's very, again, it's very safe and very abrupt in its, in its ending. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse and say it again, but it crammed in so much that it just lost whatever kind of like emotional core it was supposed to have Yeah. by putting in too, too, too much. But I do have a question for you, a sort of a TV trivia question. Go for it. This. So who me. is that actor playing Admiral Paris, and why do I know him? So Tom Paris's father. He is on Seinfeld. Who works is he? At, uh, I forget his name, but he works at Yankee Stadium with George. Oh, that's right. That's He's the a, guy. George answers to him, right? Yes. Mr. Okay. Wilhelm, I think was his name. <laughs> is it Mr. Wilhelm? I think it's Mr. Wilhelm. Oh, yes. thank Richard, you. Richard Hurd. He's also, Richard Hurd's his name. He's also on TJ Hooker. Okay. Wow, another Trek connection. He's a um he's a veteran. He was a ve- I think he died recently, but he's a veteran. He's a veteran actor. You see he's a veteran character actor. You see him. Yeah, I knew I'd seen him all over. He's got the, one of those he's got one of those faces that you uh But Seinfeld's probably the one I know from most. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about Mr. Steinberg. Actually, one thing I want to ask you about because you had talked to, you had asked me about this before we began recording. The subject of um why is Barkley there? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so Barkley, I obviously know Barkley from Next Gen. Right. So a couple of things. One, I just thought, why is Barkley there? And then it was very funny because the um, when they were trying to figure out why what Janeway was up to, um, they said, why would she take time off? She was. She said how excited she was to be teaching with you, meaning Barkley. Right. Why the hell would Janeway be excited to teach with Barkley? Right. And I had to kind of fill you in on the history there, but... Um... Barkley yeah. had appeared on a number of episodes of Voyager prior to this one. Which and sounds, he was, I don't... He was instrumental. And this actually just reinforces my... What so he I was point. in deep space setting up this communication thing and then they brought him on board? So this reinforces my notion that I have that Voyager was trying to be next generation because it was recycling next generation plots, really. I know, but you could get somebody better than Barkley, couldn't you? Barkley at that time by then was least, working at Starfleet headquarters. Deep Space got warped. I mean, that was the... Barkley at that time was working at Starfleet headquarters and he had established a deep space communication array that would be able to communicate across long distances. And they somehow calculated where Voyager might be in their travels. Because Voyager did establish contact with Starfleet prior to that. So they were able to sort of extrapolate where they might be. At the same time, Barkley has a weird obsession with the Voyager crew and we get... And the first time we meet Barkley in Next Generation, he has a holodeck addiction. And he has a holodeck mm-hmm. addiction again this time. And he's spending time with holographic versions of the Voyager crew. And at one point, Admiral Paris is like, you're spending time with a holographic version of my son, which I find to be very disturbing. <laughs> um, so in the times that they have sort of... And there have been a couple episodes between then where they go back to Starfleet headquarters and like have a plot going on there like to communicate with Voyager. So Barkley appeared probably... I think this was his third appearance, third or fourth appearance on the show. But, like, okay, great, but that could be anybody. Nothing about that, I mean, it's sort of the hollow addiction. Nothing about that felt specific, like, oh, this has to be Barkley. Right, and then Barkley was the 
professor at Starfleet Academy. Fine, in the future, in the ultimate future, yeah. yeah. It was really lame. The class was so lame. Yeah. Uh, I always, being a teacher, I always find it interesting to see fictional representations of what education looks like, especially classes. Yeah. And um, this one was very weird. They didn't have seats. Yeah, you would ask me, you're like, have they shown classes at Starfleet Academy before? And I was like, I don't think so. I think that was, I yeah. think that was the first time. Seat. They had a guest speaker. The guest speaker had to leave, and then Barkley just threw out this totally random question. So who can tell me about nanotechnology? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. it just, it was very... All that stuff was extremely unremarkable, not memorable at all. But but as far as the seating, it was good because they asked. It was very strange too. They they kind of were like, "All right, yeah, yeah, shut up, Admiral. We don't we don't want to hear what you have to say. We just want to ask you a bunch of questions." You know, before she even could talk. Right. But they but they asked about seven, and that led. Um, we got a little bit about how she yeah. Damn bunch about. I mean, you you raise a really good point in that. While the episodes may not be great, they consistently seed things very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, like I, I told you I saw Black Widow last night, and you asked me how it was, and it was good. It was well constructed. Mm. You know, I, I didn't love it, but also it was a finely crafted script where everything right. was seeded and things paid off and everything made sense. And, uh, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, Voyager, because again, like, when Janeway says those cryptic lines, like, I prefer not to discuss Seven and Nine right now, and you're just like, hmm, why not? We haven't yeah. seen her. You don't know that she's dead, but we haven't seen her. You're like, hmm, what's going on there? Like, there's something to be explored there, yes, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the show has oh. you, like, scratching your head a few times, like, hmm, yeah. Yeah, which was good. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say also, I probably should have said this at the beginning when you showed my big take. My other big take is that it seemed like it gave into the impulse that a lot of finales have, which everyone thinks, oh, I wonder what those characters will be up to in 10 years after the show ends, right? Right. And so it's an impulse that people, you think people probably want, but it just, it just took away doing it, you know? I, I think, that, but it just didn't work. It's strange it was because an impulse that you think fans are going to be really excited about, but uh, it's odd because the thing that I had said to you earlier was that I'm disappointed that we didn't get to actually see them set foot on Earth. Yet, in a way, that alternate future does show that. Granted, it's what is it, twenty years later, whatever it is. Yes. But it's yeah. like okay, but it's not what I. That's when I get into the whole like, yeah, but it's not what I want to see. <laughs> Yeah, and also there's ways to do it. I mean, so obviously the mixed, the, the reviews are mixed on Picard, but yeah. I don't think anyone has a problem with how, um, number one, how, um, you know, Riker and uh, Troy were brought into it. We did right. get to see them years later, but it wasn't just this kind of... And of course, we got to see what Picard was up two years later. We got to see what happened to Data, sort of. Yeah. And I think that's just one where example of it done very well, where it's part of another story instead of just the like, all right, we're ten years later, we're dropping you into it, and we're giving you an update on everybody real quick, and then we're moving on. Right. And I think that was the problem here is that it was very much like checking off a box almost for the episode. Right. I was. Right, see what everybody's up to twenty years from now. Okay, check. 
Now was, we're going to go on and do this Klingon thing. Check. Got that done. I was thinking um, as I was watching it again today, even though it's an alternate future, I was like, I'm like, oh, would the Romulan supernova have happened yet? Like, again, alternate future, but like, yeah. could that still have happened? Could we, Like, are we actually in the Picard year? Because I, I, I forget what right. year it was at that have point. Have banned since yeah. yet? Yeah. So... Maybe Jamie will show up and he'll give her the same wig for, um... How funny would that be, like, in... I know they changed the outcome, but, like, in Star Trek Picard, they they see Captain Jane... They see Admiral Janeway, but that Admiral Janeway going to do that... It turns out, like, Picard <laughs> takes place in that alternate future, and so, like, you see Admiral yeah, Janeway going to do... in the hall, like, where are you off to, Janeway? <laughs> like, when they... when Have she leaves, when she secret! Mission, I gotta get some secret medication! What about, like, when she's leaving... The classroom with Barkley, as soon as she walks out in the hall, she bumps into Picard, who's leaving, who's angry, after just leaving from Starfleet, who denies him the use of the fleet, and Raffi's sitting outside waiting for him. <laughs> Excuse me, Admiral. Starfleet will not help with the Romulan evacuation. I have my own problems, Jean-Luc. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Like, Catherine, I need your help. Ask somebody else. Ask somebody else, Jean Luc. I've got my own things to deal with. <laughs> they just bump each other in the hall. Those are the two shows crossing over like that. That would that'd be really funny. That'd be good. They could do it. They did it with um, you know, the Tribbles and um, Deep Space Nine. They can do it with yeah. Endgame and Picard. Well, I mean, Kate Mulgrew's still very much around. You can just make her up to look. Doesn't look like obviously look that old, but yeah. yeah. I would love that. There's your fan service that people hate so much. <laughs> that would be a funny fan service. Well, if anyone would be, do that, actually, it would be um, uh, uh, lower decks. It would just be like the most random thing, right? Like it would just be. But I will say, I mean, one of the things I mentioned earlier was that I would have loved to have seen Seven's first kind of experience on earth once she got home and i mean i don't think they'll do it but i mean that's something i could see them do in a in a in a short trek maybe what happens when seven finally uh, arrives mean, home arrives on earth right yeah i don't think they will but because i still feel like between the end of voyager and when we see her in picard there's still i think there's some there's some story that you can tell in that that you can explore a little bit totally yeah, I don't care what's going on with Harry Kim. I don't care what's going on with Tom Paris. I don't want to. I don't give a shit. No, no Tom, Tom Paris. No. Yeah, Chakotay maybe. maybe. Yeah, there there were very strange rumors I had read one time that the Doctor on Voyager could appear on Picard. Okay, we, we did, did say, say twenty years from now I'll still be this handsome. handsome. Yeah, when he was introducing his human wife, right? That's I don't. Yeah. I didn't even ask about that. Well, because he's a hologram, he has to look like he hasn't aged at all, so... But he has a human wife? Oh, yeah, so didn't you have a question to me about that? Like, how does holograms do this and that? What's yeah. the deal with... Yeah. Yeah. I did mean... They, did they ever explain that? No. No. Oh, and that's the other thing. Like, when he says his name is Joe, because one of the themes, one of the recurring themes on Voyager was that the Doctor never chose a name for himself. Oh, right, yeah, it took him 20 years to come up to the name Joe. Yeah. Because he never gets a name on the show. So, right. Which is very strange to me because that's something else they seem to abandon. In the first few episodes of the show, they revisit that pretty regularly. 
like, oh, what are, you, what are you thinking about naming yourself? Oh, he's like, oh, you know, I've narrowed it down to like five different names. But ultimately it never... It doesn't materialize. Until the end game when they pick yeah. Joe. Joe. That was a callback to the early episode, see? Yeah. That's your callback. But there was a really good in-joke on that, though, because I think it's in the... I forget the episode, I know, like the seventh or eighth episode when they do what I just told you, and he's like listing off the different names... He said, one of them, he goes, um, he says, Dr. Spock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the famed... Because uh, people would always mistaken Spock on Star Trek as Dr. Spock. Which, weirdly enough, I didn't know was actually a real doctor. I thought people were just thinking he was a doctor. And, yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, a very that. famous um, child-rearing doctor. Yeah. These are kids. Yeah. So... Well, um, I think that kind of pretty much wraps things up. Uh, it, I think that, um, yeah. So to re to reiterate, not my it's my least favorite finale. Ironic since it's my le- it's my absolute favorite series premiere, but uh, of the Trek shows, but my least favorite series finale. Yeah, yeah and in summation, I um, didn't like. It. Yeah, we can think of another thing named Endgame that plays way better than this. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a mess too, but yeah. Yeah, but at least it was more entertaining than this. So, yes, like, like I said, said, I do appreciate the character work and just yeah. seeing that era because TV was so different. Yeah. And they really did that well. Um, so, I think the next thing up for us on the slate is discussing probably in a couple of weeks what they're going to be, what happens at San Diego Comic Con this year. All right. Yeah. Um, and then anything in between that, but the, the yeah the the two things I can Over identify, yeah the the two things I can identify are going to be Comic Con, I don't I forget the date of Comic Con, but it's in a few weeks, and then Lower Decks premieres on August twelfth. So um, and that could be I think we discussed this already, but that could be the beginning of a long haul of consistent yeah. trek, so. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to strap ourselves in for that one. It's gonna be a long. Uh, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be nice, but it's gonna be exhausting at the same time. Because <laughs> twenty six weeks of trek last time and twenty six weeks of podcasting, which without a break. Yeah. So, but well, we're quickly approaching our one hundredth podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so can, and those are all available. You can go back on. We'll have to. Um, We'll have to do a creative huddle and see if there's anything we want to discuss then. Like, do we want it to be, do we do like one of those like typical 80s sitcom things where it's like the 100th episode and it's like a retrospective. Oh, remember when? Show. And they show a clip show of all the, yeah. Well, you don't have to do any work except for you because you would have to edit it. I would have to do the work. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, I think the only thing I can say on that is that I think we've definitely come a long way. I, I the, the first few episodes, the first batch of episodes are just, awful to listen to because you can just hear us trying to figure it out at the time and figure out the rhythm so our enthusiasm is our enthusiasm yeah but i mean i've got to give credit where credit is due i mean the podcast was your idea it's true when discovery was coming on yep we were talking about trek so much figured why not record it yeah put it out to all you people you you got me to put my podcast hat on because at the time i knew nothing about how to get a podcast i knew how to record a podcast but I knew nothing about like getting a podcast site set up and then getting episodes in an RSS feed. I didn't know how to do any of that. Right. 
Yeah. Now we both do. Now it's one of my. Now it's part of my vast skill set. Nice. Yeah. Actually, in my school, I've been consulted as the podcast expert, also. So. Hmm. How so? What do you say? Um. Yeah, I just you know I walk them through how you want to do it and like the different technologies that are free that you can record with and edit and mm. you know how to get the RSS feed up and you know yeah. like thinking of a format ahead of time and ways to cut down on editing things like that. Somewhere in between all of this, we have to get back to our other podcast, Primetime Oddities. I don't think we've done an episode over there for a year. There just hasn't been. There just hasn't been time. I don't want to forget yeah. about that show because I do love it. I know, we have so many ideas for episodes of that show, but we just can never seem to get to them. No, we talk about the ideas. We just record when we talk about ideas. There probably would be episodes. I think it's worth doing at least one episode of it before Lower Decks yeah. comes on. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's the other thing, because we, you were like, you know so much useless knowledge about TV. You, should, you need to get this on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you were and it was right. an excuse, too. I mean, it was an excuse because I wanted you to make you watch different things. Yeah, and I know the only way to do it would be if we were recording. Your ulterior motive, in some way, was you were trying to get me to watch Twin Peaks, exactly. And you're like, I still haven't done that. So I you went to the effort. Another David Lynch show. Yeah, well, you would hope because I think the first episode we did, we talked about that David Lynch show on the air. Was that what it was called? Yes. And I think that you thought, good. okay, now if I can get it, and I and I think at that time I had watched um, Eraserhead for the first time, and you yeah. were like, all right, if I can if I can get him. He seems to be in this David Lynch thing. If I can get him over to Twin Peaks, now's the time. Yeah. But ultimately, it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. I think I want to watch more on the air, though. That was quite a good show. It was very, very strange. It was very strange. But as I said on our podcast, as I said on the episode, should have been put on HBO. I think it has the feel of an HBO show, in my opinion. Totally. Yeah. But... That's a conversation for another time. If anybody wants to reach out to us, you can do so at Twitter on at Star Trek We Trust, and you can email us, which I need to check, um, in Star Trek We Trust at Gmail and I haven't since I re, since I reinstalled my OS on my phone, I didn't put that Gmail account back on this, so I don't even know how many emails are sitting there, if any. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're gonna check it now. So this is the perfect time to email. Yeah, but All right. on that note, peace out, Later everybody. Skaters.